Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class today is dedicated as Seudat Hoda'a for Eliyahu ben Orit, sponsored by Mariel and Harry Towel. As well, breakfast is sponsored, loving memory of Gloria Irani. Aleah Shalom, Gloria Bad Rachel, sponsored by Richard Irani. Breakfast in the Class is dedicated in loving memory of Mona Hadar. Aleah Shalom, Minuha Bat Latifa, sponsored by our children, Barbara, Lori, Mitchell, and Alan. We wish you uh, and the entire family Nehama during uh, this difficult time. Uh, breakfast in the class also sponsored by Wilma and Kenneth Ashendorf memory and Lilui uh, Nishmat, the victims of the tragedy Thursday evening at Miron and for the Rufuash of those injured. And as well, breakfast in the class, Yibadela Haim Tov Marukim, sponsored by William and Kenneth Ashendorf in honor of the engagement of their daughter Rachel Ashendorf to Benedetto Mevorah Kahlun, son of Silvana and Benyamino Kahlun of Rome, Italy. Hazaku Baruch. Okay, Rabutai, our pasuk uh, that we are focusing on today shares with us uh, a beautiful sentiment uh, and there's a tremendous lesson that lies beneath the surface. And as always, when a person looks at the words of the Torah, they get to experience the wisdom of the Torah by paying attention to the nuance of the words it chooses. The pasuk says, Ki yamuch achicha, when your brother will become poor, okay, and his hand is slipping with you. In other words, he can't hold on. He's losing, literally he's losing his grip. And you will grab on to him. Where do we have that word? It's a tree of life. To those that, that, stay, that grab hold of it. So you grab hold of him. Now, the question is, what exactly are we referring to when we say, and you will grab hold of him? It sounds like a euphemistic use of language. Are you telling me he's poor and he can't afford, you know, tuition, he can't afford food, he can't afford shelter? If you're telling me that, tell me, tell me, why does it say over here, He's losing his grip. You hold on to him. And our rabbis learned from here a tremendous lesson. They tell us that it's referring here to someone who's not yet poor. He's losing his grip, but he's not yet there. He's two payments behind on his mortgage payments. And it's not COVID time where mortgage payments are just fairy tales and no one can throw you out forever. Okay? It's during a normal time when if he misses enough they're throwing him out of his house. Okay? It's like stabilize the donkey before it falls. Yeah, that's what Rashid says. He says, uh, you see a donkey walking past in the road. The packages are falling off. Before they fall off, it just takes one person to kind of, you know, you know right, right the load. But once it falls, it takes a lot of people to pick up all of the things that fell down because it's very heavy. So long as the donkey is able to hold the load itself, all it takes is a steady hand. But the minute it falls, all of a sudden, now it's much more difficult to be able to kind of uh, rehabilitate. So the Pasuk says, And what's it trying to communicate to you? Don't give him tzedakah. He's not a poor man yet. But help him. His business is failing. My friends, you know the Torah is such a beautiful thing. Our Gemara tells us two contradictory things. One line, and the rabbi, we have a rabbi here with us today. He'll tell you that I'm not making this up. One line in the Gemara is, Dibra Torah Kilshon Bene Adam. 
the Torah speaks the language of the people. Many times you'll find an expression in the Torah and the Gemara will ask, why did you say it like this? How come you said it two times? Answers the Gemara, the Torah spoke the way people speak, okay? But then the Gemara tells us as well, that Torah, the wisdom of Torah, hepech dat balabait, is the opposite of the way a balabait, the person who's not Torah learned, the way he thinks. So one second, you're talking like a person who's not a Torah scholar talks, but you don't think like him? Surely the speech of a person, the speech patterns come from the way a person thinks. How could those two things be simultaneously true? And the answer, my friends, is uh, an answer which is utilitarian. The Torah speaks in our language using words that we understand. I'll give you an example for that. The Torah tells us, af, <clears throat> and God's nose was flared with anger. God took the Jewish people out with a mighty outstretched arm. What arm? What nose? Rambam writes that if a person thinks of God in a corporeal form, that the God, God is, uh, has a nose or an arm, or he has hadom raglav, his legs. If God has any form, the person is apikores, to believe that God has a human form. What we're referring to anthropomorphically is the fact that God, he, he did something with strength. That's when he uses his right arm, so to speak. He took, takes us out with, uh, not in a weak way, quietly in the middle of the night, but he took us out from Egypt in the middle of the day and he said, somebody try and stop me. That's what it means God uses his right arm. So we see the Torah speaks in our language because the point of Torah is to communicate timeless messages <clears throat> to human beings who are limited and who are physical. In order to understand that, we need someone who speaks our language. But the Torah's thought processes are not like ours. If someone comes to you and they tell you they're having a rough time in business, you don't have pity on them. You don't feel bad for them. Every, what do you tell the guy? Buck up. Everybody goes through tough times. Right? Who do you feel bad for? The guy who has no, no, no food in his refrigerator. That's the guy you feel bad for. Comes to Torah and tells you, ironically, Al-Chachamim tell us, if you have a choice, who to help, an ani, a poor person, or a person who's still not yet poor, who do you help first? The person who's not yet poor. I would have thought, it's means tested. The person who's lower on the ladder, that's the guy you help more. Now obviously, extenuating circumstances trump this law. How is gonna die of starvation? And this guy, he just can't make the payments on his Ferrari, you don't put that guy over this guy. Obviously, this is pikuach nefesh. But when someone is, uh, is not at that stage of pikuach nefesh, but they need help, but they're very poor, and so, why? The Gemara answers, the Torah tells us, number one, on a practical level, you don't help this guy, we're going to have one more systemic poor person. One more person who's going to find it very difficult to climb out of that hole. Give him a helping hand. It will cost you and society much less to keep the guy afloat, okay? This is the mitzvah, therefore, of the hechezaktabo. Even if it's not tzedakah, I want to share with you something that I always loved. The Torah is so wise, so brilliant. The word tzedakah, how do you spell the word tzedakah? Tzadi, dalet, kuf, hey. Tzadi, dalet, kuf, hey. Tzadi is 90, dalet is 4, kuf is 100, and hey is 5. Together, how much is the word tzedakah? 
199. Words, the word tzedakah, the gematria, the numerical value is 199. And I realized something unbelievable. The pasuk actually tells us that, sorry, the gemara actually tells us that a person, in order to be an ani, what, what wealth does he need to have to classify, to be categorized as a poor man? The Gemara says 200 zoos. So the gematria of tzedakah is 199 because up until that point it's tzedakah. Above 200 zoos, what is it? It's not tzedakah, it's not ani. Says the Pasuk, not v'natatalo tzedakah, but v'hechezaktabo, different mitzvah. Ironically, we say that a person gets two mitzvot over here, but not the mitzvah of tzedakah, perhaps the mitzvah of chesed. This guy is not considered ani. At the same time, the Torah tells you, I saw something here which absolutely blew my mind. You know, in the Torah, sometimes we think that the HaKadosh Baruch Hu is giving us a, a list of mitzvot that we have to keep. And those mitzvot are really what God wants from us. If it's not the fourth hour of the day, it's no longer Ziman Kriyat Shema, no Kriyat Shema. Right? We just said it. You want to do Kriyat Shema with all the Berachot in the fifth hour, you're not a Sadiq. You did it, you did Avon. So when the mitzvah applies, it's a mitzvah. When it's not, it's not. Here the Torah is telling you, one second, don't be a dib. You're not going to give this guy Sadaqah because he's got 201 Zuz. The Gemara talks about the, a certain area of Rishayim. They would find the guy, see how much, he had, how much money he had, however much he was missing from, uh, to get to 200 zoos, they would happily give him just so that he couldn't collect big money. So if the shul gives out a $1,000 check to a guy who's got to a $199, they would give him one zoos so that he couldn't collect the check from the synagogue, okay? Rishayim, they didn't like tzedakah, okay? But my friends... What we're seeing over here from this pasuk is that there's a commandment in the Torah to use common sense in, a, in, a, in applying the mitzvot. I want to give you an example for this concept. You know, yesterday, uh, the class was uh, dedicated by someone in memory of his father. Um, I, I think it was Yosef ben Rahamim. Leon Harari and his uh, family, they dedicated the class in memory of his father. And I asked him the other day, sorry? No, no, it's our Leon. This Leon for his father, for his father. I think it's Yosef ben Rahamim. Okay? Now, what was amazing is I asked him the other day, I said, tell me something about your father. You know, I'm going to do a class, Lilui Nishmato. What was he like? And what do you most remember about him? What was special about him? And he said something unbelievable. He said he really knew how to make people feel like they were valuable. Like he, he really knew how to make people smile. He knew how to make people happy. And I, I want to share with you such an interesting thing. Go find me in the Torah, right, where it says that there's a mitzvah to be happy. No such mitzvah. Rav Nachman says mitzvah gedolah b'simcha. It's not a mitzvah in the Torah. The Torah says you have to do mitzvot with joy. But does the Torah mandate that a person walks around with joy? It doesn't. It doesn't command that. Correct? So is it a mitzvah to be a happy person? Is there a mitzvah to make someone else happy? There's no such mitzvah, by the way. 
There's a specific mitzvah. As an example, if a person gets married, he has a mitzvah, first year, to gladden his wife, to make his wife happy. Someone said to me, Rabbi, it says in the Torah, it says only one year. Rocky, calm down. What? Just one year. Right? Right? So is there a mitzvah to make your wife happy? No. There's a mitzvah for that first year, but not more than that. It doesn't say more than that. There's a mitzvah to make the Levi, the Ger, Yatom, Almana, that they should rejoice with you on the holiday. What do you learn? Sorry? Your son-in-law's here. Okay. By the way, I just want to say, Mark, you can't make the joke and then pull it back because you see your son-in-law. <laughs> Forget it. Your daddy, Lane's going to kill you, okay? Now listen to this. This is amazing to me. Right? The Torah tells you, Does that mean there's no mitzvah to be happy other than the Chag? Because if there was, you don't have to rejoice. Why well, doesn't need to tell you rejoice on the holiday? And yet, and yet, we understand from so many different places that there is a mitzvah to be happy, to make people happy. And I, I love this concept. Where's the mitzvah to make people happy? Once we use language that doesn't say the word tzedakah because someone's slipping, someone's losing their grip, we understand that there's a mitzvah to bring someone, to strengthen them so they don't fall. You know what happens to depressed people? They lock themselves up in the bathroom and they cry. Depressed people don't go to work. People who don't go to work become poor people. The mitzvah of Hechezak is much larger than the mitzvah of just giving the guy money. It's true that in this moment he might need a mortgage payment. But it's also true that you have to tell him, you know what, it's corona, it's difficult. The zona libre, it's closed in Panama. They're not shipping anything. There's a stupid boat blocking the freaking canal. We can't get any goods out. You know, everyone, doom and gloom. But at the same time, for a person to feel energized, to go out there to work, there's a mitzvah to make someone feel happy. Where do you find it? What's interesting to me is that the Torah is telling you to be proactive in your mitzvot. You know, it's a big mitzvah to take care of almana, and it's a big mitzvah to take care of yitomim. I had a rabbi, his name was Rabbi Bloch. I learned with him in the kolel in Deal. Anyway, they, the mikveh in Mansi, uh, unfortunately, uh, that had, uh, had fallen into disrepair. And the place was nauseous. It was really disgusting, right? The, war, the, 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 the mikvaot were not clean. The bathrooms were, were horrible. Anyway, they had a meeting and uh, all the rabbis you know, came together and they're talking about like, you know, we should really have a campaign for this, for that. And you know what? The rabbis were saying this. We have this problem. We have the schools. We have the this. We have the kashrut. Anyway, Rabbi Bloch got up and he says, listen, I know we have a, a, a long meeting ahead of us. He says, but I have to ask everyone for a quick favor. Unfortunately, there's a group of almanot of, uh, of uh, what's it called? Of uh, sick, of, of widows, of widowers, of yetomim, of children that uh, have lost their parents. You know, uh, they're struggling for food, for shelter, for clothing, for love. You know, we really need to raise money for it. And, and everyone felt, he made an impassioned plea for how these kids are all by themselves. Anyway, everyone felt, they felt what he was saying. 
So everyone said, yeah, 100%, you're, you're 100% right. We definitely, we should raise the money for all these yetomim, for all these uh, orphans. And once he had everyone agreeing with him, Rabbi Bloch banged on the table. And he says, Rabotai, the punishment for someone who has relations when their wife is nida and didn't go to the mikveh is karet, that they die young. He says, I know women who have told me that they are not going to the mikveh because there's hair in the mikveh, there's dirt in the mikveh, the rooms are disgusting, they have to wait online, everyone can see them for two hours because it's too small. Do you want to wait until they're yitomim so we can start a yitomim, an orphan fund? Let's build a mikveh now so it doesn't get there. His words hit their mark. They raised the money and I think that was one of the first beautiful mikvahot is a spa from what I'm told, okay? That people could go and feel uh, clean and happy and nice with the situation and it's a comfortable thing. My friends, sometimes we think of things and we're motivated only by disasters. And I was thinking to myself this past week, you know, wait, we have these events, 45 people die in the most horrific death. We have to hear all these horrible stories. And all of a sudden we're like, I avat Israel, everyone needs to love another Jew. Right? Everyone needs to do this. Everyone needs to. We do teshuvah, we go, we come back, we raise money, we do tefilot. What do we do it for for disasters? The Pasuk over here is teaching us, what are you waiting for the disaster for? What a beautiful mitzvah. And I think in many ways, this mitzvah is not just specific, it's paradigmic. It's teaching us a way to think. You know, you're going to yell at your kid to come to shul. What might happen? The kid might start resenting shul and he won't come to shul. So you're thinking about getting him to shul this morning, but how many mornings is he going to miss if he hates shul? He's going to miss all the mornings. Great, you got him to come now. But as soon as he's old enough, what's going to happen? He's going to leave. He's not going to come back. Because you created a situation where he's not going to come back. The Torah says, make him strong in this. Make him strong in his business. Make him strong in his life. There's so many people who are going through so many problems as the economy starts to reopen, as people are moving back to their homes, uh, as things are starting to build up again in Corona. Rabotai, we have a superpower. The superpower is to give people chizuk, to figure out what it is that is making them falter, that is making them lose their grip, and give them a compliment, give them a good piece of advice, tell them you're willing to give them a bridge loan. Figure out what it is exactly that you could do in this moment so that we don't get to the moment after this moment. When a person does that, then they think about making people happy. A sad person is a person who does sins. The greatest weapon, the Chachmeh Musar tell us, the greatest weapon in the hands of the Yetzirah is atzvut, depression, sadness. You know, you're feeling sad. It's like, oh, forget it. Hashem, you did this to me? I'm not even going to shul. Uh, oh, I'm so careful not to eat, to eat kosher. What, now my business is failing? My marriage is in the toilet? Forget it. The Yetzirah uses sadness against us. Rabotai, so it's obvious that there's a mitzvah of v'samachta, v'simachta, of being happy and of making happy. Because otherwise, what follows after a person who doesn't take care of this is that they lose their grip. And all of a sudden, a guy 
who came to shul every single day for a year to say Kaddish. You know, they say, our rabbis, the parasha says, Acharemot Kiddushim. How does it go? Acharemot, after the death of the sons of Aaron. Then we have the parasha of Kiddushim to you. Then we have the parasha of Behar Bechukot, that we just read it. They say tongue-in-cheek, Acharemot Kiddushim Emor. After people die, Kiddushim, they all Emor, they all say Kaddish. So all of a sudden, a guy who's not been coming to shul starts to come to shul. You know what I realized? The morning a guy's Kaddish is over. If you don't ask him, come to shul today. Even though he got used to it. Even though he got in the zone. Even if he tells you, you know what, I really enjoyed it, Rabbi. The moment a person falls out, if you don't grab him before he falls out of it, all of that momentum is now lost. So Rabotai, I think sometimes when we want mitzvot, we forget that just like investments, we can leverage our investments so that they're worth much more than we invest. You want to do a mitzvah, right? You're a savvy tzedakah investor. I could give this person a hundred and this guy is going to take care of all his needs. I could give this guy a hundred and you know what? It will help him for this for today. He'll, have, he'll be back here tomorrow. Leveraging your mitzvot is one of the ideas that we are learning here from the Hechezakta, to be wise in the way we put in our efforts. There is no greater investment that we have to make in this world more than our time and our effort. May Hashem bless us, number one, to be savvy investors of our resources. And number two as well, to be people who are results-oriented, that when we see something in front of us, we don't just throw band-aids at a problem, we, uh, we figure out how to correct the problem so that it doesn't come back. And through that process, we will actually bring a person not just a tzedakah gift, but the greater gift, the gift of chizuk, of being strong enough to stand up on their own two feet, materially, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Baruch Adonai Amen ve'amen.